Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, here of course as always with Roster Watch managing partner and co-founder Byron Lambert. Just before we get started, a quick reminder, if you're interested in more of our content, interested in finding some of these new and improved tools uh, at RosterWatch.com, not only for your season-long leagues, but also for your dynasty leagues, and right now during this part of the season... Your, your DFS lineups, your your daily fantasy sports uh, contests on DraftKings, on FanDuel. You can find all of that with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. And as always, please, guys, if you like the podcast and you have not given us a rating and or a review yet, uh, we really, really would appreciate that. Um, Byron, it's, it's uh, it did definitely an interesting week on the waiver wire this week. It's actually kind of one of the more important waiver wire weeks that I can remember uh, this season. Do you kind of agree? Well, I'm interested that that's your observation because I thought it was a really cool week on the waiver wire. So I guess we're on the same page. Well, I just, I, I noticed that, you know, the percentage of uh, free agent budget bid that we're saying for some of these top guys is a little bit higher than usual. And I agree that that's probably where it needs to be. And there's there's just a lot of options, just a lot of these guys that I I want to talk about. So we're gonna go over a couple of bits of um, kind of takeaways from Week Ten as we look ahead. Always at Roster Watch, always looking ahead here uh, to Week Eleven. But want to see if some of these trends or things that you'd recognized and kind of how you see them playing out moving forward. Uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you is what the fuck is the Bill staff doing with Shady McCoy? These are guys. Who, I don't know, we, man. man. I we, haven't. We, I, I didn't look. We at his, gave I didn't look at his... a whole lot of credit for for seeming to kind of do things right, making some good personnel decisions, and then they go around, and then they go and they do the one thing that you shouldn't do against the New Orleans Saints and abandon the run and only give LaShawn McCoy the football one time in the second half after he had a first half where he was actually doing better from an efficiency standpoint than Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, who ran the ball down their goddamn throats. And LaShawn McCoy was looking better than either of those guys coming into the second half. Only well, are you, a, are you a LaShawn McCoy owner? In one league, yeah. Well, that begs a few questions, but first... Um... You know, as I'm examining the trends with LaShawn McCoy uh, in the new Snap Counts, Touches, and Targets tool uh, for our pro subscribers, yeah, I mean, I, not being a LaShawn McCoy owner, this isn't something that I had paid as close attention to, and I don't think it probably caught anybody's eye until the shocking 50% snap count this week in a week that was set to be for what looked like a potential monster for LaShawn McCoy. But when you drill down into the data, which is what 
we are able to do with this tool at Roster Watch with our for our pro subscribers. That's the new Snap Counts, Touches, and Targets tool. You do see all of a sudden this what happened this week when given some context becomes very worrisome because we do have a trend developing. If you look at it, with Sean McCoy over the past month or over his past four games is a 70% snap count guy, which is already a little lower than you might have expected considering the workload he was getting in the passing game to begin the season. But then you look at it and you say, man, the past three weeks, it's the past three games, it's 65%. In the past two, it's 62%. And obviously, last this this 50% or this week, it heavily weights the more, the more uh, uh, recent averages there of his snap counts. But, I mean, we do have a steadily declining, what appears to be a steadily declining snap count percentage for LaShawn McCoy over the past four games of his from a snap count percentage that already wasn't as high as you would have liked it to have been for, you know, an elite fantasy running back. So, but Hey, well, and that raises another question, Alex, you have trends for me. I mean, maybe you were going to get into these, but I know you own these other two guys. And while we're on it, I it's mean, it's so what funny you- that you talk about guys we own as if we're not full-time fantasy analysts that need to know about this shit anyway. Well, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely hurts you more. Like that's why well, I came and in. I, I said, "What I the fuck are I, they doing?" Like, what I'm I just know, like, I, I just, I just, I, I really like. I'm more pissed about it than I would be if I wasn't a Lashawn McCoy owner, one of my most important. And leads. well, and the only reason I kind of, you know, brush it with that stroke is because I know that if no matter how look, I look at every player in the in in the league, you know maniacally incessantly you know obsessively the way but you still can never substitute that that for the passion of an actual owner who's who's in the who's in the foxhole (laughs) with that guy so i'm mainly interested when i've observed these uh, kind of an what i would consider almost like a third party observation about a trend for a player then yeah i am interested to turn to an actual owner who probably knows even they know the nuance of those trends because they've been paying close attentions to get even the finer details and observations. And so while we're on it, I mean, we see this decreasing snap count percentage for LaShawn McCoy going sub 70 towards trending towards a 50, 60% snap count. I mean, exact same situation. What the hell do you make of Julio Jones and Leonard Fournette's snap counts over the last month and this last week? Well, all right. So with, with 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 Julio, you never know. Maybe they're taking him off the field to try and keep him fresh. But they, man, the thing about them is they have these, they have these sets where they go to Justin Hardy and Taylor Gabriel and Mohamed Sanu and stuff. They're they're with Sar- Sarkeesian. They're going now at sometimes. They're going to these three tight end sets there in a- Atlanta when they're going. Uh, run heavy you know that was something that Tevin Coleman after Devontae Freeman went out with his concussion which is probably something else we could talk about but um, you know he got a lot of run behind it like a couple of of, of tight ends like a tight end and, and a sniffer on one side and then I think with Leonard Fournette it's it's pretty easy to say for some reason the the Jaguars did the exactly the wrong thing versus the Los Angeles Chargers and completely abandoned the run I, I don't know why they abandoned the run but they did, and um, you know it should have been a little bit telling to us before that game. I know it was telling to me. I got rid of all of my exposure to Leonard Fournette and DFS because I saw that it was the first time all season that they had four running backs active: uh, Corey Grant, 
TJ Yeldon, Chris Ivory, and Leonard Fournette. I said, why are there four running backs active in this deal? If something felt a little bit squirrely coming into that, you know, but here's the thing about Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette has always been all season a 60, 65% snap participant guy, right? He's just been in there, you know, and the thing about Leonard Fournette, he's, he's still got his volume. He's, he's going to get his volume and his touches regardless of the snap percentage. I think that with Shady, what it was is just this game just got out of hand. You know, this game got out of hand and they, you know, they just, they took him out. I mean, they, they even took Tyrod out, man. It was, it was, it was Nate Peterman at the end of that one. There wasn't it like Tyrod Taylor, nine for 18 for 56 yards. Nathan Peterman, seven for 10 for basically this was an ass kicking by a New Orleans Saints team that doesn't have to do that. I mean, can you, can, can you believe that they won this game 47 to 10 and that Drew Brees did not throw for a touchdown? Man, I'm in love with what the Saints are doing. They're just they're showing they're really showing their stripes as an organization. They've been able to morph. They've been able to morph into a completely different style of football late in Drew Brees' career. It's what we saw with Manning. It's what we've seen at times with Brady from year to year and the schemes up there. It's something that Sean Payton had not been able to do. And we're seeing it this year. I'm super impressed with with Drew Brees and what the Saints are doing. I think they're extending Drew Brees' career like this. Well, man. they're reinventing themselves. We had we had long thought that maybe that maybe that offense with Sean Payton and Drew Brees had kind of grown a little bit stale. It had felt that way for the last two seasons. But yeah, man, and boy, what a difference that trade! Just getting Adrian Peterson off that team. That's what did it. That's what did it. It opened things up for a commitment to the run where it wasn't a weird three-headed cockamamie monster. And you get the best out of Mark Ingram. You know, you get him volume. He's still a great pass catcher out of the backfield. And then you have Alvin Kamara just absolutely just come out of the woodworks. For you, I mean, is Alvin Kamara right now right up there as far as consideration for Offensive Rookie of the Year? Boy, I mean... Can you not give it to Deshaun Watson anymore? I don't think so, man. Not for a guy that only played half a season. Do you think you could? I don't. I mean, you and I will both have PFWA votes. <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't spent enough time thinking about it. But I just know what Deshaun Watson was doing was magical and very mystical. Um, but uh, yeah, Kamara's awesome. I mean. I don't know. I loved Kamara a lot during the pre-draft process. You loved him in Dynasty, and for this season, you've been spot on with that. Uh, dude, he's a beast, and I mean, he he has a bright – his future is just – I mean, he could, he, he, could, he could almost have a Marshall Falk type situation. He is, he is still surprisingly, you know, kind of in that 40% snap count range right now, but when he's in there, he, he touches he's so the ball. efficient with his, with his snap – like his, 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 his productivity on those snaps – like he's he's the model of of efficiency with the with such a he's like one of these guys that you you really don't mind seeing that forty percent snap participation because you know when he's in there he's so talented that they're going to be scheming uh, ways to get the ball in his hands. Well, you know, and we digressed in this conversation first talking about some snap count trends we had identified with. Uh, a few players with Shady McCoy and Leonard Fournette and Julio Jones. And it, it did remind me of something I heard Jerry Jones say the other day. And this really explains why we do this work to identify these trends. It's 
why the new snap counts, touches, and targets tool is so important to our pro subscribers is what Jerry Jones said is he says basically life is a coin flip. No matter who you are, at the end of the day, over the long run, just about everybody's a 50-50 decision maker. And there's nobody special. There's there's nobody that really operates outside of that, right? And he says what it is is the people that are successful are the people that that recognize the good decisions and stick with them longer. And they're the ones who recognize the bad decisions and get out of them faster. And truthfully, I mean, that's exactly, I mean, just kind of summoning our fantasy GM from a real life GM. That's exactly what we're doing when we're identifying these snap count trends for these players. Uh, and, and, and we're really able to do so now over, over, periods of time and um, try to get out ahead of these things, man. Speaking of those snap count trends, one of the ones that we talked about earlier was Leonard Fournette um, facing off this last week against the uh, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, only a 54% snap participant, still got his 19 touches, still got his four targets, so at least still decent volume there. Marquise Lee looking like an absolute fucking dumbass uh, with his all of his taunting penalties. We had another taunting penalty. How undisciplined is this Jaguars team for a team that's where Tom Coughlin is the executive vice president of football operations? I mean, how undisciplined. On four of their last five drives on offense, they got penalties. That horrible penalty from Marquise Lee that could have you know taken them out of field goal range and cost them the game. Um just, yeah, but nobody nobody suffers more than Philip Rivers. I mean, it's just so, can, can you believe it? And now he's and now he's concussed. And so with that, and Jacksonville is six and three. When I was at Jaguars team facilities for the last days of training camp, speaking with all of their beat writers, every single one of them to a man said this team isn't going to win more than three or four games, five games max. It's unbelievable. They're six and three. No, it's just this was like you said, undisciplined. You still got Blake Bortles at quarterback. Is Allen Robinson's out? So Leonard Fournette not getting the snaps Alan he should Hearns get. You just said, how in the hell is this happening? Uh, it'll be interesting to see if if they can maintain. You know, it. It's going to be D.D. Westbrook week next week. That's one thing that we know for sure. I I remember looking at it because I am a I'm a Westbrook owner and. I think all of my leagues and I was looking at the matchup this week and remember thinking that I was kind of rubbing my fingers together thinking I'd be pretty interested in getting him in. Oh yes. Uh, uh the Jaguars are at Cleveland this week. So, uh, no Alan Hearns, DD Westbrook's going to step in opposite, uh, Marquise Lee, all signs are pointing to him coming back. So I think he's sub 4k and DFS will certainly be talking about him, uh, in, the DFS portions of our content coming up later in the week, starting on Thursday and Friday, but also on the waiver wire cheat sheet that we'll get to after we get through this first kind of recap and look ahead segment. Um, but in that same game, here we see Austin Eckler come out of nowhere to get 15 touches for 119 yards and two scores and only 33% of snaps. And Melvin Gordon, he had eight targets. I mean, he still got his 21 touches, but only 42 yards on those touches for 68% of snaps. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you were onto something whenever you shipped Melvin Gordon off a few weeks ago, like you talked about in the trade cast. I mean, I believe so. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. I mean, I needed some was, equity in was return. Was Austin Eckler any part of the concern at that point? 
Because here's the thing. That guy looks pretty good, <laughs> you know? He looks pretty good. And even going back to week eight, he was a 30% snap participant. In week seven, he was a 31% snap participant. In, let's see, uh, week six, only an 11% snap participant. Week five, uh, 17. So he's seeing his snap participation going from the, go from the, the tens and the teens. Now we're looking at, you know, closer to um, – Thirty-three percent. You know that if if that thing starts ticking up to a forty percenter, I mean Melvin Gordon's snap counts are already down to sixty-eight. What we loved about Melvin Gordon was the fact that, and this was something that you've been all over going out there to those training camps the last two years. The minute that Danny Woodhead, I guess, got hurt and then traded, right? The minute that he got hurt was the opportunity for Melvin Gordon to step up and say, "I can be a three-down back," right? I could be on the field for 85% of snaps, and you can use me in the passing game with a bunch of targets. Now, he still is getting a bunch of he, – he had, he had eight targets last week, right? Uh, there's, been games this, there's been games this season where he's had 12 targets. Now, there was a two-game stretch where he had 22 targets. So that's all, you know, well and good. That's, that is something that's still occurring. That's still a role that he, you know, holds on to. Right, but we had said for this whole time, at that point in time, he seized the role. We knew when the Danny Woodhead went to the Ravens, we said, "All right, well now, now we know for sure. You know, Danny Woodhead is gone. You know, it, it isn't even, you know, that's the sign that they don't need the pass catching back. This the the little satellite back. That kind of player is not going to be involved, right? And now we're seeing an Austin Eckler come in, come in and actually look like a pretty dynamic weapon. And I worry about a satellite back." being involved with Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon on his own doesn't create that much. He's not the most efficient runner. He's a really good fantasy runner, but he's not the best real-life NFL runner from, from an efficiency standpoint. I'm just I'm, I'm beginning to come, become worried about Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I mean, I truthfully, I think this is more about Melvin Gordon's touchdown dependency coming home to roost. Yeah. Yeah, what was he? He's like 30 – he was he was over 35% touchdown dependent, right? I can pull up the new uh, – touchdown dependency tool and, and look, but I think he was one of the guys who I'd noticed was over that 35% threshold. Uh, let's see. Let me go to roster watch and pull it up. A 37% touchdown. Yeah, well, dependent. that's what we say, man. You're going to regress. Leonard Fournette set to regress. Look what happened this last week. Who's the other runner on that list that's above 35% that has over 100 Carries. There's, 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 had been Gurley for a little while. Yeah. So Gurley, I mean, maybe Gurley's just going to score. That team just scores so many touchdowns. Man, the Rams. Are you kidding but me? But Gurley, Gur, Gurley's had a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a regression because he's still great, but he's leveled off, right? I, I mean, I think that he is. He's, I mean, Gurley. He's got plenty of upside had, in any given week, Gur, obviously. Gur, Gurley had a down game this last week. And still got 136 total yards on, you know, 17 touches and seven targets. And here's the thing about Gurley. What we need to remember about him is that, you know, I guess it's probably not that big a deal because he got 82% of snaps this last week. Which is a huge increase for him on the season. Right. But the thing that the thing we need to remember is that Sean McVay is smart. And when these guys get up really big Gurley comes out of the game you know they leave golf in there and they and they let him go you know they he he keeps his foot on the gas but he but he but he takes out Gurley he doesn't want to get that guy hurt 
So, so, so I, I mean, I think if it was a close, I, I think if that game were a close game, but, but between Houston, I think Gurley plays 95 to a hundred percent of snaps. I think he's that kind he's getting that kind of usage. Um, I just think that, you know, we've seen, I, I'm beginning to think that a little bit of this downtick in snaps that we've seen in the last couple of weeks, especially in the blowout versus the, versus the New York Giants, only 63% of snaps in that game. They were just up so big and they just, they just take Gurley out. They don't want to risk him. Well, speaking of awards, PFWA, uh, PFWA awards, what is it? Let me ask you all the talk about the MVP race with Carson Wentz, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady. Is Jared Goff being left out of that conversation simply because he does have Todd Gurley on the team? Uh, I think, I think that is, 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 is Jared Goff being left out of the consideration? I don't think he should be being left out of the consideration. Well, he's not, nobody's talking about him in MVP contention. I mean, he, at the very least, he's got to get some kind of award for most improved, or I don't know if you can be come back, come back, comeback <laughs> player after just sucking as well, a rookie. You and I've had that under Jeff Fisher. Before, right. I like, is it comeback from an injury? Is it comeback from a down season? What is it exactly? They're, they, they leave it up to your interpretation with the pro football writers. I, I don't know. I, I mean, He's my, I guess he's my comeback player of the year for sure. And I think that he could be, he needs to be, we'll, we'll see what happens. They don't necessarily have a super easy stretch uh, coming down the pipe here, but you, you know, we know that Seattle's not as strong anymore. So I don't know, man, it, that'll be a, that'll be an interesting one. Interesting one to follow for sure. As far as Wentz, I mean, that's just a whole other thing. Uh, I figured we would get a lot of talk this week. I haven't heard many people talk about it, but maybe I'll ask you. If I put a gun to your head and I say, you need to start a franchise with either either Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz, and you have to tell me right now, who is it? I think it's Wentz. It is Wentz. To me, I don't even bat an eye when I say it. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's recency bias just based on how Dak looked this week with without Zeke and, and without – his whole entire complement of the offensive line. And what the hell was Jason Garrett doing, not giving any help to Chaz Green over there as Adrian Claiborne earned his, like, $1 million check for getting to his uh, season. Do you know that he, he, do you know he had six sacks on, 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 on Chaz Green in, in that game? I mean, you're quickly reminded that Tyron Smith may be the best player on the Cowboys roster. Unbelievable, man. And that they can't just look at that and say, look, this is not Von Miller. This, this, you know what I'm saying? This isn't Khalil Mack. This is Adrian Claiborne, and he's sacked Dak now four times. Let's not let it happen five times. Let's not let it happen six times. You know, I just, I can't, I can't believe that they could not make any kind of adjustment to, to shut that guy down. It's not like he's a, you know, I, I mean, who, who knows? Maybe, maybe he will go on to have a Pro Bowl season. I don't know. Um, you know, I think the evaluation of Wentz quickly and versus Dak is, I don't see that as recency bias. I see that as evaluating the whole picture. I see that as having context to the landscape of the whole situation and actually having a, a more comprehensive evaluation from a, from kind of zoomed out on the situation, given the fact that. You know, we've we've scouted both those guys at the Senior Bowl together. I think and, they were at the same know, Senior Bowl. Yeah, they definitely were yeah, at the same sure. Senior Bowl. And it's no knock on Dak or the Cowboys. The Cow- 
trust me, as a as a fan of the of football and the landscape of the NFL, I am very very excited about the notion of Dak Prescott versus Carson Wentz for years to come with a little bit of Captain Kirk hopefully mixed in. All right, the next topic, uh, you know what? I was going to ask you about the about the the Green Bay running back situation. We're, we we can talk about that when we get to the cheat sheet because obviously that has a big part of it. Um, any worries about Jarek McKinnon? It looked like Latavius Murray, uh, even though McKinnon outsnapped him, Latavius Murray, who sucks, outtouched him last week and once again got the touchdown. It looks like they're going to be giving Latavius the goal line work for sure, which wasn't anything that we uh, didn't didn't expect or anything that we hadn't really planned for. But uh, he did average four yards per carry in this one on 49% of snaps. Uh, Jarek McKinnon also right at four yards a carry. He did get the two targets. He did not get the touchdown on 51% of snaps. Of course, that was at Washington, who the more you look at it is a very, um, very much imp- imp- improving on the on the uh, run side, you know, of the football as, as far as run stoppers, it, not if you watch that game with the lanes Latavius Murray was ha- having. Uh, the loss of Jonathan Allen was big for them. I'm not. I, I'm not surprised with. I think it was obviously a disappointment for a McKinnon owner this last week, but I'm not worried about him. And uh, actually, he got he was in the game quite a bit down around the goal line. It was just in formations where they passed and didn't happen to run it. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you're not going to have a monster every week out of McKinnon. Uh, but I think he's still a, if you know, plenty reasonable play the rest of the season. Hey, and then what about on the other side of that game, Josh Doxson, I mean, didn't do much, but he did play 92% of snaps. He saw seven targets, caught four of them for 30 yards. And do, do you know what was hilarious, man? Is that do you remember back in the in in his in his rookie class when we traveled to go see all the top uh, you know we went to see Corey Coleman at his pro I mean we saw all these guys at at, at the combine but we also went to the pro days of Corey Coleman, um, Josh Doxson and Laquan Treadwell, and it was always the always the Houston Texans and the Minnesota Vikings. And the, I don't know, Rams. yeah, the Rams. The right? Rams those were, were the three at two teams that were at all those things that we thought were in the definite market uh, for these wide receivers. I noticed that Minnesota showed a showed that they they showed some respect to our boy Josh Doxson by giving him the Xavier Rhodes treatment. Did you see that? I did, and. And I did, did you- which was funny because it was Xavier Rhodes who retweeted the video that I shot at TCU Pro Day of Mike Zimmer <laughs> Ding up Josh Doxson and said, in and drills. Said, come, come on, coach, you got to get your butt down or something like that. He's <laughs> talk, talk, that thing went that thing went <laughs> yeah, viral yeah. that day. But Xavier Rhodes retweeted it. So talk about things coming home to yeah, roost. Just I think they've had their eye on Doxson for a while, man. They just said no, no, no. Look, dude, ninety two percent snap participants. I saw him get thrown to in the end zone on either two or three different occasions. I think that the job. I, I think, think I think Xavier Rhodes and and I think I think Xavier Rhodes and Mike Zimmer might have talked about that video this last week of preparation. <laughs> they said we're not going to let him get it in the end zone. Look, man, I, I and I think that the Josh Doxson breakout's coming. 
I'm, I am not done with, with, with Josh Doxson at all. Not one bit. I think the breakout's coming, and I think it's coming this year. Well, what do you? let's talk about that because I, I think there's an argument that you could be a little bit concerned about his schedule coming up. It's troubling. He's finally coming on. The production's not there. But then you're, you know, New Orleans has not been easy for fantasy wide receivers. No, no not at all. Uh, he gets Janoris Jenkins the week after that, who, you know, I, that team's falling apart. So you I could have no say worries that, about that. that. That's such a mutiny that you don't even care. Yeah. But it's not easy. Then he gets Dallas. Dallas. Da- Dallas, which is going to be a solid, I think, a reasonable matchup. Good matchup. Char- Chargers. Chargers. Not, ba- eh. not bad, dude. We just saw more. We just saw Marquise Lee look like you know. Yeah, but I think this is Torrey a. Holt this is a. This is this is a. That's a. I just think it's a little bit of a different type of matchup for who's their corner that you always talk about over there that I'm blanking out on uh, right now for, for the Chargers for, for the um, oh Chargers. Yeah, it's, uh, why am I blanking out on his name too? What the fuck? It's uh, Casey, Casey Hayward. Hayward. Right, okay. So, uh, you know, Casey Hayward has been a little bit of a tougher matchup for those bigger wide receivers. I don't, So I don't see that as a cakewalk. And then he gets Patrick Peterson, Aqib Tlaib, Chris Harris, and Bla- Bradley I'm Roby. I'm not sure he's going to get Patrick as, Peterson. Maybe. Uh, uh, he probably will. I just I, – I just, I'm not sure that other teams – I'm not sure that uh, – like, Patrick Peterson doesn't always shadow – you know, he doesn't always shadow. If there's like, some, sometimes they don't see a point in shadowing. You know what I mean? Um, well, would you would you agree that if with the, when you at least look into the schedule, there's I don't know at least some. No, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you tap the brakes a yeah. little bit. There's some there's some tougher matchups coming for Docs, and it's a little no, bit I unfortunate, a little bit I troubling. Tried to hold on to him this long. He's you know the it's been manifesting. The production hadn't been there. Now you got to. Pretty tough stretch to end the game, the the year. But you can make the argument that at New Orleans and what could be a higher scoring affair, they're going to have to go to them. You can make the argument that the Giants are a disaster, and who cares about playing against Janoris Jenkins and that game's at home in Washington? You can make an argument that that game on the thirtieth of November against Dallas is a reasonable matchup. So there's an argument you can make that there's the next three game stretch is. You know, pretty tough. The, the, pretty that's tough. The, that's the, that's the stretch that you've kind of zeroed in on for Josh Doxson and a potential breakout. Yeah. And it's still not. I mean, it's you got to do a little bit of creative, you know, narrative stuff to make it seem like a really good stretch, you know. But I, it, I, th- I think it could be still. I think he's too talented. I think the breakout's coming. I think at some point he's going to break out this season. I think at Dynasty he's for sure, you know, a, a buy low or. You know, hold whatever it is. You know, make sure Josh Doxson doesn't fall off your radar. Um, and then you have to have. Do you have more? Have to have more or less imagination for that scenario than the Bennett brothers? <laughs> they got some creative imaginations, don't they? Those fucking Bennett brothers. Um, yeah, I don't even know about those guys, man. Um, all right, and then yeah. So speaking of, so speaking of the speaking of Janoris Jenkins and him seemingly giving up and quitting like the rest of that defense. I mean, what do you think, man? Like Ben McAdoo, I just, has that team just quit? What, like, it, why is he not fired? Why is Reese not fired? Why can't they just fire I'm, these guys? No, I mean, I think you, you hit it on the head right there, man. It's finally, the, the opportunity has finally become so ripe. Uh, that the Giants are going to finally have to fire Jerry Reese this offseason. 
and McAdoo's going to go with him. It'll be time for a huge house cleaning and regime change for the Giants. And if I was a Giants fan, there's nothing I could be happier about. What about Pagano? He's got to be gone, right? Ursay needs to be gone. That's well, how, the problem. Ursay's the owner. <laughs> how can you get rid of the owner? Well, well, as long as Ursay's there, you can't feel good about being a Colts fan. They basically got a fucking lottery. They won the lottery. Getting to go back-to-back, Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. They played with a bunch of house money. Fucking Jim Ursay's all pilled out on his guitar late at night. <laughs> and... He couldn't fire, <laughs> couldn't fire Grig, couldn't fire Grigson. I don't think Pagano's the worst coach. I know they ha- he had some kind of the uh, emotional appeal with the so- kind of the social capital he'd built with the cancer thing he'd went through, and I'm not sure he's been the root of their problems. But the fact is, he, a lot of times it just takes a complete change, and it was a half measure uh, bringing uh, Chris, Chris Ballard, Ballard in right. and not getting, not getting rid of Pagano. So fortunately I do have faith in Chris Ballard and maybe that's the saving, the saving grace for the Colts. What about Vance Joseph? How can you let McAdoo come into your house and kick your ass when you're the defensive genius? That defense has gone from good to the suck. Vance Joseph, the, let McAdoo come in. Yes. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Vance Joseph, who's who appears of the Denver yeah, Broncos, who, who, appear, who, who appears by all by everything that I can tell to be a shitty coach, and he's okay. and he's so shitty that Ben McAdoo's one win on the season came in his house. Okay, okay, you're not talking about this week. Previously, I think it was just three, two or three weeks ago. Yeah, the Giants I mean, team at I, that you know, point it seemed like they were getting pretty close to to quitting. Everybody was already hurt. I blame John Elway. Well, John Elway John looks Elway. like he's disgusted. Like he he looks like he's disgusted. I'd like to. I wish we would have asked Ben Albright on the radio. Sh- ben Albright came 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 on the show when you weren't on this weekend for the Military Appreciation Day thing on 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 Saturday night for Veterans Day. And I should have asked him about that. If there's any chance that Elway fires Vance Joseph this offseason. Speaking of, there's that broadcasting equipment, the new broadcasting equipment for the Sirius XM show is set to arrive here on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, Elway, Elway gets a free, he's been a very good GM and he gets a, obviously a bunch of free passes and rightfully so. To me, you could trace a lot of, back, of, of this back to him. Vance Joseph certainly deserves a lot of blame. I'm not sure he was ready for this position he's supposed to be a defensive guy and it's that defense that started that defense that started to give out on him on the other hand man this is predictable on the defensive side it's a a bit of an a it's you know been a bit of an aging defense at least for a guy like Tlaib and mainly you you can only go so long without any offense and look John Elway drafted Paxton Lynch in a draft where he could have had Dak Prescott or, you know, there's, you know, he, I think he gets a little bit of blame for the way that he handles this. He's handled the quarterback situation the last few years on the transition from Manning while he still had a defense in, it, in its prime. He, want, he, he was, wanted desperately to pay Brock Osweiler a big contract and talk shit about him whenever he went for more money. 
Yeah, got away luckily without paying him, him him very much money there. And then, you know, he's been made some bad personnel decisions with guys like Minelik Watson to supposedly shore up the line. A guy that <laughs> yeah. they I mean, in in his division, he's been scout they've been scouting for years. A guy, man. A per, guy who pro, Vaughn Miller's pro, been pro killing a guy who Vaughn Miller's been killing. And, and it just you know, that it just moves like that that have made no sense. Very low end moves on the offensive line, other than, you know, Garrett Bowles was a nice addition there. But uh yeah, it looks it's, it looks like a bad situation. They got to get the uh, they got to get that quarterback room rectified in Denver. Otherwise, they're headed towards a what I would say is a some type of rebuild. I mean, these guys, some of these veterans are going to get traded or shipped off. I believe if they, if they can't, if they're looking at it, you know, why keep paying the big money to some of these guys if you can't get the quarterback situation? situation straightened out so yeah I, I just i think but do you think that there's any chance that vance joseph gets fired this offseason yeah i think there's a chance what, 15 percent or less I'd say that sounds about right all right let's move on to the waiver wire portion here of the podcast again it's alex dunlap and byron lambert your boys from rosterwatch.com you can find all of our content with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com it's cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee all of this content, all of our podcasts, all of our uh, radio content, all of our written content and tools at Rosterwatch are brought to you by Rosterwatch Nation, our pro members at Rosterwatch.com, who for less than a cheap cup of coffee enable us to give you this unfiltered, uncensored, uh, unfettered access to all the events that we travel to cover. And our mission is to make sure that you always have the straight dope, like no fake news, n- nothing that's uh, has any kind of infiltration or influence from any outside media entities or advertisers or anything like that. You're going to get information that we're going to travel, travel to the ends of the world to make sure that we get for you and get for us so we can be uh, dominant fantasy players. Uh, if you like the podcast, also, please go into iTunes. Just search for the Roster Watch podcast cast click to uh, rate and review the podcast uh, it would mean the world to us and maybe byron i know you have one mate do you have one or two trade casts left i'd say there's probably one left yeah it could be the last i think most trade deadlines are coming up this week so maybe in the trade cast or that comes out tomorrow or in next week's waiver wire pod we can um give away a few free roster watch memberships to some of our favorite comments left there in iTunes. All right. So let's get to the waiver wire cheat sheet available at rosterwatch.com for week 11. As always go to rosterwatch.com to see the full cheat sheet, our, um, our exact listing of players, the exact uh, free agent budget bid percentage that we would recommend for each player and how to prioritize them. This is an easy way to get this done in just a few minutes. And this is a big week on waivers. A few of these guys we've already talked about, but one that we haven't talked about is a guy who's going to be right here at the top. It's going to be no big secret. Uh, Jamal Williams of the Green Bay Packers. We now know that Ty Montgomery has re-hurt his rib we know that he's an ex-wide receiver that still has a little bit of a diva bone in him. And we know that probably with the recurrence of this injury, 
is something that's going to keep him out. I I think for at least one game, but pro- probably even more. Mo- more importantly, the injury to Aaron Jones looks to be a looks to be a three to six week base basically taking him out of consideration for the rest of the fantasy football season. Uh, so even in the worst case scenario, we're going to have a Jamal Williams, Ty Montgomery sort of split in the backfield. Talk about Jamal Williams, who was, you know, right there with Kareem Hunt at the Senior Bowl as a player that we were kind of debating. Not as not as tough a debate as it was between O.J. Howard and, and Evan Ingram as to who was going to be our tight end. But certainly we had to have some some discussions about whether it was going to be uh, Jamal Williams or, or Kareem Hunt that made the con- the final cut as our all-senior bowl running back from 2017. How disappointing is it for Evan Ingram owners in Dynasty that he's – paired up with Eli Manning because you know you're going to get submarine on his value somewhere along the line here I just I think as long as he keeps getting elite volume he's going to do elite things well you just you got to hope Eli stays good for a couple more years I mean I just think that hope one he of fall, hope, hope he doesn't fall off a cliff like it looks like Ben Roethlisberger has I, right? I, yes and I think it's that's the same Ben same, Roethlisberger same has class. even my mom <laughs> she, she she looks at me and she goes what has happened to Ben Roethlisberger just from <laughs> Her watching NFL games over the years. He, he looks something. Some, he some, looks. He's yeah. a disaster. He's missing guys wide open. Big. Look fat, when you start to when you start to think about retirement, you should probably already be retired. I don't think Eli Manning is too 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 far behind. So I don't know. I love Evan Ingram. Just sucks to know it. Boy, you would love it if he was with like a Carson Wentz or something for the next ten years to come. Oh well, God in lady. Dynasty. It'd yeah. be just a real treasure trove. Um, Jamal Williams, I guess first thing, you mentioned pricing on this sheet to begin the podcast. Uh, I'd like to maybe explain why I did the pricing the way that I did this week. I do think it's a good week on the waiver wire, especially at the running back position. Like I said, I think it's a pretty cool week late in the season on the running back side of the waiver wire cheat sheets. There's some good options, some interesting options. And I understand that we're to the point at the of the season where we're all basically in must-win mode, regardless or irrespective of your situation, which requires us to uh, be willing to get a little more aggressive with our spending. And I understand that. Uh, with this week's pricing, even though it's not an ultra gr- glamorous group of players. On the other hand, there's not a single player on this week's waiver wire cheat sheet that, let's say you're in a comfortable position in your league and you've been sitting on that number one waiver wire spot. I don't believe there's a single player on this sheet that requires you to use that. If that if that's the situation that you're in, um, it's still a little a little bit unclear with all these guys. And I guess let's turn our attention to Jamal Williams, Alex. Yeah, what because is, I, what think is, with, I think with Jamal Williams, I think that even if you're in a good spot, I think that's the kind of guy that you who you might you know if, if you're in a league where you do have like a waiver order and you're just sitting on like a first position or something like that. I think long and hard about making that move. You know, it would depend on if Corey Davis is available. Corey Davis, I noticed this morning, he's for some God knows for what reason dipped below 50% owned. 
in Yahoo leagues. So, I mean, I, that would be my, you know, I'd yeah, he's, he, in on that he, guy. He, with the late ad, look, he should never even be on this sheet. Yeah. Corey David, Corey, there's no way Corey, Corey Davis should be on the waiver wire cheat sheet. Yeah, People are so. fools and are just looking at the measly production and not really drilling down into the actual logistics of what happened. We know Corey Davis is now they're saying he's going to get more snaps. snaps, It wasn't like he didn't have many snaps. He was out there every damn play. Let me look at the snap counts tool. All, all of the important data. He was was, was out there for 87% of snaps and they're saying they're going to get him more. He had 10 targets. Yeah. All the important data is trending is his direction. So that's all we need to know with the sick player. He, He was within inches of scoring a touchdown this week. Corey Davis, another guy that if you look at his schedule, a little bit like Doxon, it's it it's you're not as excited as you would have loved to have been about get, Corey do, Davis do, down do the stretch. Do you at least get Indy? Do you at least get Indy? <laughs> like it all? I'll tell you right here. I know. I know. Maybe losing uh, Joe Hayden could be a boon in what's been a a tougher matchup with Pittsburgh for fantasy wide receivers. You do get Indy. Uh, you know, there's a. It's just there's. A, it's not the worst, but you had Pittsburgh you this get week. Houston, you yeah. had you had Pittsburgh this week, you, and then you get San Francisco, and I'm, I don't worry about the Rams. You only have two tough matchups. You have Pittsburgh, yeah. and you have Arizona. That's it. But Arizona's first week of the fantasy playoffs, and Pittsburgh's this this week. And look, Indianapolis isn't a tough matchup, but Antonio Brown should sure didn't do a whole lot against them. Well, that has to in do Indiana. With that, that, that it, Antonio Brown had had the worst game had. Uh, uh, the worst game that he's had that I can remember literally like that. We can't, we can't just say that just because Antonio Brown didn't have a good game against him. That no, for not, some reason, well, it, but it's, I think it's something to monitor. It's something to monitor. It was, it was, it was, to, it was so polar different than what we expected in that game that you, it seems like an outlier, but it seems like it would be a miracle for what happened to happen. So I'm curious to keep an eye on it. I also think that the Rams aren't – it's not a horrible – Corey Davis is a guy you can play any matchup because he's the he's the best wide receiver on the team. He's getting the targets. He's getting the snaps, and he's so sick he can make a big play at any time. He does get Tremaine Johnson in the fantasy championship in week 16, who's who's a tougher matchup for the bigger wide receiver. And who's so, big and tall too. Yeah, right. so, uh, you know, it's – you're but, playing him. If he, I own him, I'm happy. I'm super stoked about rolling him out. I would for out. sure use my. I would for sure use the number one waiver order or up to. I mean, I might even move all in on a Corey, yeah, for Davis, Corey Davis with, my, with with what I have left with Jamal Williams. It's something that I, you know, it's not an all in move. I think it's a bit, maybe a half of your remaining budget move. Thirty five percent of your remaining budget move was something I would think long and hard about. I would think long and hard about using my first waiver order on him because here's the thing: even though he looks, he still looks plodding, right? He still doesn't look fast. You know, uh, the volume was the, the volume even on you know limited snaps was there for him. This is an offense with Hunt. Now you got to think with Brett Hundley, you can look at it. Two, just think it sliced two ways. One, they're not going to get anything done through the air, so they might have to lean on this guy. I mean, twenty-one touches on fifty-three percent of snaps, right? He even got a target. But the other thing is, how often are they going to be in scoring position? Now, if you believe that Brett Hundley is starting to turn a corner, which, I mean, you might be a little bit right to believe he has looked a little bit better, right? In these in these last, he's he looks like he's getting a little bit better. Um, there was the one really nice play to, to, to Devontae Adams that people will point to. I don't know, man. I, I think that 
this is just a team where it's going to get cold up there, you know. He's the kind of runner that when it gets cold and whenever, you know, Ty Montgomery's bones and his ribs feel real brittle, he don't want to get hit. Even if you're a plodding runner, we've seen a James Starks or somebody like that kind of be a little bit effective for fantasy for, you know, three, four-week stretches kind of down the down the stretch at the end of November and December. I think that Jamal Williams, even if you're not going to use him, I just think it might be good to kind of get him out of the player pool for everybody else. You know, I think that of everybody on this sheet, outside of maybe a Samaje Pirine, who certainly has an interesting outlook himself, is the guy who could really step into a role where it's a it's a first and second down, you know, cemented into cemented into that role, and he's going to go as that offense goes. And if that Green Bay offense can get things together, he could be a guy that sees himself in scoring position and, and can you know find himself falling falling into the box. Well, I mean, there's a there's a reason that Jamal Williams is the top running back on this sheet, but I don't think in every situation he's a must add. And you know what? I don't think so either. You know, I'm I'm saying I would think long and hard about it in most every situation. And you know what? My mantra has been all season and back into the preseason about Green Bay Green Bay running backs back into last year the Greenback running back situation. I, I've said all along, you guys have heard me say it many times, they're, the Green Bay Packers play five running backs every season. Yeah. yeah. It's why, I, mean, it's I, why, I, it's why I didn't want to go crazy on Jamal Williams early in the season on the waiver wire cheat sheet. Because look at how this thing has come full circle. It's, I mean, that's that's just the re, that's just how it, that's how it's been in Green Bay with running backs for some time now. In, in these other running backs you want to talk about, we've kind of talked a little bit about Latavius and Austin Eckler. Well, yeah, um, I, I mean, I think the uh, I think the other two very important ones this week are well, there, maybe there's a couple guys. Uh, the two that are on my mind are J.D. McKissick, who looks uh, good of, of, the, of the Seahawks. I mean, he's he's the best running back they have. Prosize is hurt again. Uh, Pete Carroll is almost I was so is so Pete, excited for that Prosize return. Pete Carroll is in disbelief. That, that that he can even be hurt again to another ankle injury. Thomas Rawls just he he's he's these guys suck. Very they suck. very Plain and simple. Very ineffective. And you know, with the injury to Richard Sherman and also just the natural shape that the Seahawks offense has taken, especially if Dwayne Brown misses any time. To me, it's just a, it's a game script. It's a team. It's an offense. It's a scheme that fits more. You're gonna have see more JD McKissick. If you lose Sherman and you start to allow more points, this game is at home. It's against Atlanta. Atlanta has on the season been a pretty good matchup for these type of running backs. Oh, for the last two years, nobody's given up more. Nobody's given up more uh, fantasy points and or or. Uh, receiving yards to 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 opposing running backs. So I find this to be an interesting spot for JD McKissick. I should say fantasy fantasy points through the via the pass to running backs. And these, not, not overall. These are the takes you can't get anywhere else. You're not going to go to any other waiver wire list today. That's probably only ten or fifteen picks deep and see JD McKissick right at the top. Not only do I think he's a especially strong play this week, especially in PPR, uh, only three percent owned, available in almost every league out there. And the rest of the way, you know, on a good offense, I, I, he's not. I mean, he, he might just be a low end flex play, but he to me, he looks like the running back to own potentially 
the rest of the way in a good offense in well, Seattle. You just think about, you just think about this, like think about flashes you've seen out of the Seattle run game this season. And who is it? It's McKissick. It is, man. Every time, every time I see a good play there from a from, from a running back, I say, "Whoa, is that Eddie Lacy?" No, that can't be Lacy. He's not fat. Oh, it's McKissick. You know, it's just yeah. I, and I think it makes a whole lot of sense. He's like the you know, he's like uh, Seattle Chris Thompson, and they're going to be in a lot of game scripts for for a Chris Thompson. I sure so. do think it's a good move. Another reason why maybe you don't have to blow your wad on Jamal Williams at number one, depending on what you're looking for, and then. Rex- also, depending on the on your league format, I think that of course Jamal Williams loses a whole lot of luster in in, in, in PPR. Um, I, I'd like to look back and see what his what his reception statistics were at BYU, but I seem to remember being pretty low totals and um, didn't do too much to show that he was any kind of natural out of the backfield. And then the other guy yeah. is that I mean Rex Burkhead trending in a big way recently. So I'd be interested in your take. I mean, that's rarely a situation that you can trust for any stretch of time. And those guys trend for a few weeks in that offense. Burkhead was a guy that people were over in the all over all over him in the preseason. He's really been trending in a huge way these last couple of weeks. What do you make of the Rex Burkhead uh, situation in New England, Alex? I just don't. I I I want I want none of it. I just don't want anything to do with it. I mean, it's a good offense. It's fine. I think he's fine. I think for DFS as a flyer, he's fine. But we're still talking about a guy that's got. I mean, he's had. A, he's he's gotten some good production these last couple of weeks, but he's still only a you know, just just over ten touch guy. You know what? He had thirteen touches this last time. Yeah, but fifty one percent snap count, and that's trended up every. Week for the last four for the last five I weeks. I get it. He's so, gone I mean, from a twenty five percent snap count guy steadily to a fifty percent snap count guy. Right. I I I think what this has really done is it's made Mike Gillisley droppable. He's been I th- I think he's been droppable. It makes him completely you know not even on the fantasy radar. Now that I say that Gillisley will come and have four touchdowns this week or something. But I think I, I mean to me I mean. I just think that with 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 Bill Belichick, I just think I just think that he's on a level that maybe it's just hard for us to even comprehend or really understand. And he's just going to come into games and it's going to be a Deion Lewis or a James White or a Rex Burkhead or anything. I mean, you well, know, if you I could guess, if you could own one Patriots running back the rest of the season, who would it be? Rex Burkhead. Oh. Yeah, it would be Rex Burkhead. H- hence his placements on placement w- on this would, week's waiver I wire would, cheat sheet. I would I would greatly prefer not to have to own any of them. But I understand that some people are in the, are not in the position to where they can be choosy due to injuries or buys or anything else like that. Uh, the the last guy who there was some momentum for the last few weeks uh, that we finally have some hopefully clarity on with Ezekiel Elliott. That's Rod Smith of the Cowboys. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk out of the Cowboys camp that he's. You know, potentially the best running back of that group, but I think the more telling thing about Rod Smith is that based on what we saw out of the Cowboys this week, I, it looks like there could be a lot of game scripts coming up that go in Rod Smith's favor, who ended up leading the Cowboys in snap counts this last week. So, you know, towards not not one of the guys at the very top. You're going to have to come look at the week eleven waiver wire cheat sheet to see exactly where Rod Smith is. But a sneaky good pickup, I think, right now still in no, deep I, in deep yeah. leagues. Well, I I, I I picked him up last week after the, after the, I had to drop him. 
in a league that wasn't so deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a league the, that was very a league that's very sharp. Um, the the only re- the only reason I dropped him was because of the stupid unclarity with the Zeke situation. As soon as you make a move, some new new news came out. Part of the reasons that we kind of just washed our hands in general of that whole situation this year. Let me see what uh, I, I'll be interested to know what because you talked about. I think it's interesting. You talked about the game script this week um, against they the Eagles Philly this week, right? Yeah, I mean that's a that that dials up for a definite. A definite Rod Smith. Let's see here. Um, what is his? Is that a is that a Sunday or oh is that a Sunday is that the Sunday night game? Yeah, it's prime time. Uh, let me look on the prime time slate. I I want to know what his pricing is on DraftKings this upcoming week. I'll bet you it's still. I'll bet you it's still. Like down there in the three thousands. Do you think that they wrote? Do you think that they raised it up? Do you think they were sharp enough to do that? Like a forty one hundred? No, thirty four hundred still. How much is McKissick? Oh, JD McKissick is only thirty six hundred. We'll be Dude. getting a lot of him this week, I think. <laughs> we will. I think is I think that that's a really, really, really sharp call for sure. Um, okay, so yeah, definitely. It's going to be the JD McKissick like DD Westbrook <laughs> uh, tournament monster week coming up. Well, news news actually coming out here according to ESPN that DD Westbrook is not expected to be a big part of the team's game plan if he plays against the Browns in Week Eleven. That's just that's just them trying to keep it a secret. <laughs> um. All right, let's see here. We'll have to follow that for sure. Speaking of D.D. Westbrook, do you want to move on to wide receivers and talk about any of these guys besides Corey Davis and Josh Doxson, who we kind of touched on earlier? I mean, maybe you can give your thoughts on Corey Coleman and the return of the Black Anaconda, Josh Gordon. Yeah, I mean, Josh Gordon, didn't they say that he can't come back until after week 12, was it? Yeah, his, so this is the, like a trash man type ad for your fantasy playoffs where all of a sudden you're like week four, 15 in your you know second round of your playoffs and you go up against the trash man in your league and all of a sudden his wide receiver three or flex is some Josh Gordon and you don't know if he's going to go off, but you sure as hell nervous when you look at you it across the, the way from you. You don't want the anaconda come, come, to, to come slithering into Come slithering into your game room on on any big time, any big time a Sunday of NFL and fantasy action where your playoffs lives are at stake. You never know when you might get as get asphyxiated. As we do know though, as 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 we do know very well though, um, you know whenever you own when, whenever you own these these types of big powerful burly snakes, sometimes they can asphyxiate their own owners. Eat them. And 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 leave them for dead. So uh, I'll be interested to see what side of that you know people are on there with with Josh Gordon because I think once he's activated, pe- people are going to use him. I think that Corey Coleman. I don't know, man. Do you think that I just what, what do you think that Hugh Jackson needs to be fired? Yes, and I think that this is the exact reason that we saw him go south as a head coach. In Oakland, there's always some kind of struggle between the front office and Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. There is. There is, and he's not as good of a coach as everybody kind of mythologizes him to be. He needs to go somewhere and be a running backs coach. Plain and simple. I don't think he's a quarterbacks coach. I think that I think that some of the best. I mean, don't, don't you think that some of his best work was how he was how he sort of remolded Darren McFadden? Yeah, and that was years ago. Well, that's pretty sad, right? 
He's just a shitty head coach, man. How did like how do you call it? How do how, how do you call a quarterback sneak to end the half when you're on the goddamn three yard line with only seven seconds left on the clock and no timeouts? The Cleveland, and then you yell at your quarterback. The Cleveland Browns organization among the saddest we've ever seen. Well, hopefully, I mean, here's the thing: they've actually put together some. There, there's some pretty good p- young pieces on that team. You know who? They're, in Joku, uh, Danny Danny Shelton, um, you know the, I, I guess I guess the offensive line took you know took a took a pretty big hit with Joe Thomas, but they you know it was it Kirksey? We like Kirksey at linebacker. Kirksey, I mean it's a de- it's a pretty pretty good offensive line. They got all kinds of credit from from stealing the guys from the Cincinnati Bengals this year in free agency. We like Corey Coleman um, and potentially Josh Gordon. I mean, it's it's. A de- I mean, they look at the corner. Look at the cornerback. Look at the uh, the corner that they stole out of free agency from um, McCourty. That they stole out of free agency from Tennessee. He's been one of the best corners in the league so far this season. I think that Jabril Peppers is going to eventually be a star safety. It's just it's hard to recruit a good head coach, and their quarterback evaluations have been beyond abysmal. Yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. But I I think – I don't know, man. I think that that front office – here's the thing. If there's any kind of front office Hugh Jackson dispute, I'm tired of dealing – I'm tired of going with the Hugh Jackson side of this thing. I would stick with that front office. Nothing has worked for Cleveland for years and years and years. Why not stick with the group that's doing something fresh, that's going with an analytics-based approach, you know? Instead of throwing those guys out, I, I heard Evan Silva talking about this on one of the Roto Grinders shows, where he just said, "Like, look, they're going to throw these guys out. They're going to get. They're going to throw away the baby with the bathwater with this with you know Sashi and this 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 uh, front office that's actually doing some good things, putting some good pieces together. And then the old school football man, this dumbass, is going to come in there and win with those players, and everybody's going to give that guy credit. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it could be what happens. I think it's best just to stick with those guys, but get rid of you. I mean, and so that's a, I guess that's a long way of saying, like, I think that it's, it's a sad situation in Cleveland. I get it. I just think it's kind of in disarray. I, 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 you think, I don't know what to think about Corey Coleman, you know? I really don't. I mean, I don't know what to think about Deshaun Kaiser. I think he's worth picking up as a flyer. I think that he could, you know, have some really big games down the stretch if he's somebody that Kaiser locks locks onto and really targets. It seemed like that was kind of coming to fruition during the preseason, right? Am I remembering that right? I think it was. Yeah, and Coleman so, had a pretty good, like, week one or whatnot. He's a, he's, a, he's a solid pickup. with He's a good match with Kaiser. We said that before the preseason. If it was Kaiser, we liked Coleman more. It roosted there for a second before he got hurt. Uh, there's a little bit of a stretch here. You have to potentially like him at the end of the season with the Browns going to have to be chucking the ball around. He's a good... Match with Kaiser and the rest of their wide receivers stink. Now, you know, do you have to temper your expe- your expectations once Josh Gordon returns for Corey Coleman? Maybe, but we can't afford to be thinking that far ahead with these kind of pickups. It's just kind of one one thing at a time with these guys. And and I'll tell you what, you know what, I, I'm I agree with your approach uh, as far as the regime in Cleveland. On the other hand. If that analytics-based approach doesn't result in a good quarterback evaluation soon, that that whole thing is going to need to be thrown in the dumpster too. No, I mean I get that. Yeah, you you, you got to get the quarterback right <laughs> for sure, for sure. You got to get the quarterback right. So I think that they're I think that they're they're going to keep drafting them, and if they keep drafting them, I think event you know that's always been your mantra: draft a quarterback every year. 
I think they're going to they're going to do that. And I'll bet you that they they eventually hit on one. I don't know if that fan base and that ownership group is going to have patience, though. I think who they need to show some impatience with is most certainly Hugh Jackson. The guy who is guaranteed on this week's waiver wire cheat sheet to be on the garbage grab multiple times between now and the end of the season is Chicago Bears wide receiver Dontrell (laughs) Inman, only 2% owned. Probably the best wide receiver, bigger bodied wide receiver they have. Trubisky's decent. They got to throw the ball around. How sad is that? And Inman's snap counts are trending very strong right now. Speaking of the Bears, is, is Tariq Cohen droppable at this point? Yeah, I mean, if you got to do what you got to do at, at this point in the season, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough situation with anything Bears related. Inman is sneaky play at wide receiver the rest of the way there. Uh, Zay Jones had his best game of the season two weeks ago before the injury. I don't know what's going on with that offense, and certainly we've got Kelvin Benjamin getting a lot of targets already and big snap percentage, but Jordan Matthews got only two targets this last week. There's a And the schedule, dude, for Buffalo coming up. We didn't talk about that when we talked about Shady, but this schedule, they get New England twice. Um, I forgot who else they get, but it's just a, it's a terrific schedule for fantasy that's upcoming. So I think that Zay is a sneaky pick. And you know, I think that the... Sean is hopefully going to – with that schedule, he should rebound. That is something we'd identified when we were talking about trading for LaShawn McCoy. His schedule is unbelievable down the stretch. So hopefully hopefully, hopefully that this last week with Shady was just simply them getting blown out and them deciding to kind of rest their, their workhorse a little bit. Uh, yeah. looks like they're about, it looks like they're about 70 players on this week's cheat sheet. So – a lot of depth on it. Any, any any more wide receivers that you want to kind of pick out of the group just, to get to? Just the last word on Zay is that we'd said all along we thought that the acquisition of the Kelvin put Zay in a better spot to begin with. So just a sneaky little thing brewing there. Um, not a play anytime soon, but Mike Williams finally starting to bite into Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams snap counts as Mike Williams trended up to about a 40% snap count. This week, those other guys headed south a little bit. That's this is a huge timeshare all around. So it's if you're in a keeper league where you're where you're allowed to keep players who you picked up in free agency or off of waivers for like a 12th round pick or something next year, you need to own you you need to go pick up Mike Mike Williams because even if he doesn't get it going this year, you're going to have a gym on your hands to start next season. Yeah, that's a sharp idea for sure. Uh, that pretty much does it for the wide receivers. It's a deep list. If you guys need other options and those discussed, just make sure and come check it out. Uh, tight ends, Alex. There's it was it's a it's it's a thin week of sub fifty percent owned tight ends. Uh, but there's actually some sneaky good options. I got myself some Julius Thomas in a primetime slate this uh, <laughs> this last week. I had a little that's he kind of because I've been watching that yeah. that trend a little bit. And I've noticed he's been yeah. getting a little no, bit of yeah. an uptick there. And, I I used him in I I used him in, in, in primetime as well the last two weeks. Yeah, so Julius Thomas. Hard, hard to believe that that team's been on primetime the last two weeks, right? Yeah, it's a bad – it's it's truthfully a pretty bad group at the tight end position. Luckily, Charles Clay is still less than 50% on because he had a substandard week this so far. So – or in his return this last week, I expect his snap counts to continue to separate from Nick O'Leary's as he becomes reintegrated. And as we've said about the other Bills players, the schedule's pretty good for Charles Clay coming up. So 
Except you know when he faces Belichick, Belichick's going to say, I'm not going to let Charles Clay beat us. Yeah. <laughs> little, that guy's got all the respect in the world for Charles Clay, man. It's crazy. Uh, I want to thank our uh, – I want to thank those members of Roster Watch Nation, of our pro subscribers who have volunteered to be captains – Inside the comments section at rosterwatch.com, they've become moderators um, uh, with our uh, pro community, and they've been yeah, they're the kings of the comments section. Yeah, they've got exactly they are they're king, they're true roster watch kings. You'll see them with the avatar with the roster watch insignia with the little gold crown on top of it, and they're and they give good advice, dude. Like we didn't just give anybody these these privileges. These are guys that we vetted. These are guys that we thought are sharp. And these are guys whose um, acumen in fantasy football we, we respect and trust that we've seen them answering other people's questions, engaging with others, having insightful discussions with others there in the comments section that we actually reached out to to see if they would like this sort of responsibility. So, you know, and, and on top of getting the interaction and the feedback with us, you get the interaction and the feedback from these sharp uh, kingly, knightly members of Roster Watch Nation. I certainly would second what, what Byron says in saying uh, thanks to those guys and certainly you know take advantage of uh, engaging with them as well as us as, as, as part of your pro membership at rosterwatch.com. All right, well, that brings it into this episode of the Roster Watch podcast. Make sure and stay tuned. Make sure you are subscribed for tomorrow's Tradecast, the final Tradecast of the 2017 season as the trade deadline looms and... The playoffs come clearly into focus. Roster Watch Nation, we are moving forward to victory. So uh, for Byron Lambert, for the Trash Man, for the Robot Genius, and all of Roster Watch Nation, my name is Alex Dunlap. This is the Roster Watch Podcast presented by RosterWatch.com. We will see you next time. <laughs>